All right, guys, so we're in Lesson 32. Uh, we've probably got two more weeks, maybe one, maybe two weeks left in Zechariah before we get into Malachi. But we're going to go to the, remember, there were eight night visions. So he had eight different visions in one night. So we looked at the first four last week. We're going to look at the uh, last four as well as one other event that took place uh, before we get to the next part of Zechariah. So let's talk about the fifth night vision, and we see that in Zechariah chapter 4, verses 1 to 14. So let's look at this together. And the angel who talked with me came again and woke me, like a man who was wakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? I said, I see, and behold, a lampstand, all of gold, with a bowl on top, of it, seven lamps on it, seven lips on each lamp that were at the top of it, and there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on the left. And I said to the angel who talked to me, what are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, do you not know what these are? I said, no, my Lord. He said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. And he shall bring forward the top stone amidst the shouts of grace, grace to it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of the house. His hands shall complete it. Then you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These seven are the eyes of the Lord, which reign throughout the whole earth. Then I said to him, oh, What are these two olive trees on the right and on the left of the lampstand? And a second time he answered and, said, answered and said to him, what are, the two olive tre- what are the two branches of the olive trees, which are beside the golden pipes from which... The golden oil is poured out. And he said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he said, These are the two anointed ones who stand by the Lord of the whole earth. Okay, so let's take a look at this. Kind of an unusual uh, concept here. So I want you to think, all right, so does everybody know what a menorah is? Okay, it's one golden lampstand. It branches out into seven parts with what is a candle or a wick with oil in the top. Everybody understands that. We, we understand the Jewish concept. Well, he's seeing a vision of this type of menorah, but there's a golden bowl, and from that bowl, it's, it's supplying oil to each of these lamps. Okay? Now, in the Jewish care of the temple, the priests would have to go and refill those holders for the fire, for the lights, every day. 
but this is a continual flow. And beside, on the left and on the right of this golden bowl, is two olive trees. It's kind of a weird vision, isn't it? I think it's interesting when you look there, he's like, what are these? And the guy keeps saying to him, you don't know what these are? You <laughs> yeah, of course he wouldn't know what they are. You know what I'm saying? So he, then he gives the explanation. So let's talk about it, all right? So first thing, the angel awakens Zechariah from his sleep and asks the prophet what he sees. So again, he's seeing another vision. He's seeing this. So he sees a golden lampstand and with a bowl on top with seven lamps, okay? Each of the lamp has a lip that is on the top of the lamp, okay? The prophet sees two olive trees that are located to the right and left of the bowl, so we know that much, okay? So we gotta find out what this all means, right? So the prophet asked the angel to explain what these are. So the angel conveys that the vision related to the completion of the temple by Zerubbabel. So this unusual vision has to do with completing the temple by Zerubbabel. Okay, and Zerubbabel would complete the temple. All right? Zerubbabel would complete the temple through the supply of the Spirit of the Lord. So who gives him the strength? The Spirit of the Lord. Who gives him the wisdom to do this? The Spirit of the Lord. So basically he's saying he's going to complete it, but he, how he's able to complete it is because the Lord is giving him strength and power to do it. Okay? Now, when the temple is completed, the word of the angel will be validated. So he's saying everything I'm telling you right now, you're, you're not going to be able to prove it until it happens. And that's basically a good principle about prophecy, right? In fact, let me make that point, because we live in a culture today where you got a lot of guys who will come up and say, and they prophesy certain things are going to happen. The, the only way to validate a prophecy is not the dude who's saying it. It's whether or not it comes true. And if it doesn't come true, it's not from God. Do, do, do you know what I'm saying? It's not from God. So we have to be careful, okay? We have to be careful with the reality of that. So he then goes on and says that the seven lamps are the eyes of the Lord which look through the whole earth, okay? Now, what are the two olive trees? So he hasn't explained what the two olive trees are, okay? So the prophet asked the angel two times concerning the identity of the two olive trees. If you notice there, if you look at the passage, he says, what are the two olive trees? There isn't an answer. Then again, what are the two olive trees? And finally he answers them, okay? Now, what he tells him is, look with me at verse 14. These are the two anointed ones who stand by the Lord of the whole earth. That's all he says. Now, with most things in the Old Testament with prophecy... There's a near and far fulfillment. There's usually a near fulfillment and a far fulfillment. Another good example of this, remember from Isaiah, the prophecy is the virgin shall conceive and bear a child and you shall call his name Emmanuel. That's a prophecy concerning who? Jesus. Yeah, but it's also had a near prophecy because it was supposed to be a prophecy that 
King Ahaz would see, and that is the word virgin there is also translated young woman, and Isaiah, next chapter, very same next chapter, Isaiah's wife, young maiden, has a child, and before that child can be weaned, the two kings that he's worried about are eliminated. So it has a near fulfillment, and the far fulfillment is what? Jesus. Same thing here, has a near and far fulfillment. So the near fulfillment, so the angel replies that they are the two anointed ones who stand by the Lord of the earth. Okay, I got that, George. What are they? Well, the immediate fulfillment is Zerubbabel and Joshua the high priest. That's the immediate fulfillment. Because they're the two anointed ones. We've already been talking about them in Zechariah already, right? And we're going to talk about Joshua again here in a little bit. Now, what's the far fulfillment? This is the amazing one. The far fulfillment is the two witnesses of the tribulation. Now, does anybody remember that? The two witnesses, of, do you remember who they are? <clears throat> All right, I'll give you a passage of Scripture. Revelation chapter 11. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord. They're the two witnesses. In chapter 11, there are two witnesses who, who are raised up, who proclaim, and nothing can happen to them. They can't die, okay? And when they call down judgment on people, they call down judgment. And there's a big discussion as to who those two witnesses are. We won't get into that. That's the Revelation study. But here's the two witnesses. This is the far fulfillment, all right? Because here in Revelation chapter 11, the two olive branches are, olive trees are identified as these two witnesses, okay? But in Zechariah, he identifies them. He's looking to the reality of who? Zerubbabel, which we've already talked about him, and Joshua the high priest, which we're going to talk about him again in, in a moment, okay? Now, let's go on. Let's talk about uh, the sixth night vision. Look with me at chapter 5, verses 1 to 4. Again, I lifted my eyes and saw, and behold, a flying scroll. And he said to me, what do you see? I answered, I see a flying scroll. Its length is 20 cubits, and its width is 10 cubits. Then he said to me, this is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole land. For everyone who steals shall be cleaned out according to what is on one side. And everyone who swears falsely shall be cleaned out according to what is on the other side. I will send it out, declares the Lord of hosts, and it shall enter the house of the thief, and it shall enter the house and, and, and the house of him who swears falsely by my name. And it shall remain in his house and consume it, both timber and stones. That's kind of an unusual one, isn't it? A scroll, okay? Now, what, is, what do we have going on here? Well, the prophet lifted up his eyes, and he sees a flying scroll. Okay, now he's using the, the measurement of cubits here, but we'll put it in our English cubit, I mean, our English measurement. It's 30 by 15. That's a pretty big scroll, right? 30 feet by 15 feet, scroll flying through the air, right? Okay. 
The angel explains that it is the curse upon those who violated the law of God. Specifically, two commands here. Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. If you notice, it's a curse. One side of the scroll contains the curse and the judgment on those who steal. On the other side of the scroll contains the curse and the judgment of those who bear false witness. Okay? So, the judgment will be complete as it is severe and total. How do I know that? Look here. It shall remain in his house and consume it, both timber and stones. That's talking about the, the depth and the reality of the judgment that's going to take place here. And so God is, with this vision, pronouncing judgment on those who are violating the law of God. All right, so now we get to the seventh night vision. This is an interesting one. It's about a basket, okay? All right, so let's look at chapter 5, verses 5 through 11. Then the angel who talked with me came forward. Ah, oh, new pages. Okay. And said to me, lift your eyes and see what is going out. Okay, so lift your eyes and see what is going out, what's leaving, okay? And I said, what is it? And he said, this is the basket that is going out. And he said, this is their iniquity in all the land. And behold, the laden cover was lifted, and there was a woman sitting in the basket. And he said, this is wickedness. And he thrust her back into the basket, thrust down the laden weight on its opening. Then I lifted my eyes and saw, behold, two women coming forward. The wind was in their wings. They had wings like the wings of a stork. And they lifted up the basket between earth and heaven. Then I said to the angel who talked to me, where are they taking the basket? And he said to me, to the land of Shinar, to build a house for it. And when it is prepared, they will set the basket down there on its base. Kind of a weird vision, huh? Woman in a basket, okay? No, called wickedness. All right, well, let's talk about it, okay? All right, so the seventh vision, he tells, again, tells the prophet to lift his eyes and see what's going out. So what's leaving? Something's getting ready to leave. The prophet sees a basket and opens the lid to see a woman sitting in the basket. Now, he identifies this basket as being the iniquity of the land. Now, notice, before he opens the basket, the passage says this is the iniquity of the land. What land? Of Israel. Okay? So he looks in. There's this woman. The woman is wickedness. That's what she is. She's wickedness. And he closes the heavy lid of the basket on her. Okay, so this is a back basket of the, of the wickedness of Israel. He's already told you that before showing you that it's a woman. He called it the iniquity of the land. Okay? Now, the prophet sees two women with wings who take the basket to the land of Shinar. Anybody know what the land of Shinar is? Any Old Testament scholars here who are really into Old Testament prophets know? Okay. All right, well, I'll help you. 
The pitch, this pictures Israel's sin being removed and taken to the land of Shinar or Babylon. Shinar is another name for the area, the plain of Shinar, where Babylon is. So the wickedness is being removed and taken back to where? To Babylon, okay? To Babylon. So that's the seventh thing. It's kind of interesting. You got a question about that? That's pretty straightforward. The, the iniquity is being taken away, taken back to Babylon, okay? Anybody got a question about that? It's kind of weird, isn't it? Okay. Let's go with the seventh. That was the seventh. Let's go with the eighth vision, okay? The final vision. We see that in chapter 6, verses 1 to 8, okay? Again, I lifted my eyes, and behold, four chariots came out from between two mountains. And the mountains were mountains of bronze. The first chariot had a red horse, the second a black horse, the third a white horses, and the fourth chariot dapple horses, all of them strong. Then I answered and said to the angel who talked with me, What are these, my lord? And the angel answered and said to me, These are going out to the four winds of heaven after presenting themselves before the Lord of all the earth. The chariot with black horses goes to the north country. The white ones go after them, and the dapple ones towards the south. When the strong horses came out, they were impatient to go patrol the earth. And he said, Go patrol the earth. So they patrolled the earth. Then he cried to me, Behold, those who go to the north country have set my spirit at rest in the north country. That's kind of a weird one, isn't it? Wow. Okay, so let's talk. I mean, you can probably see why Zechariah, if, if you didn't, I mean, if we didn't have any understanding of the scripture, if you're living in Zechariah's time, what would you be thinking about his visions here? Okay, so let's go on. Here we go. Prophet sees four chariots coming out between two bronze mountains. It doesn't tell you about the bronze mountains. We don't need to worry about it, okay? So if you see a book, the bronze mountains explained, don't buy it, okay? The text doesn't tell you. All right, so after presenting themselves before the Lord, they're sent out to patrol the world. So these chariots are sent out to patrol the world. Two of them are sent to the north. One is sent to the south, and I'm not sure where the other one goes. Two of the chariots are sent to the north, and after executing God's judgment, God's spirit is at rest. So the two that go to the north must do something in judgment on the north. And because of that, God's spirit then is at rest. Now, what could that possibly mean? All right, so when you're in Israel, so let me... Let me let me help you to understand. Let's say this chair is Israel. To the north of Israel, okay, everybody see me here? Okay, to the north of Israel, of course, is Lebanon, Syria, all right? Babylon is over here, all right? To the north is the Medo-Persian Empire, all right? When you talk about there being peace to the north, because that's what he's saying, his spirit is at rest to the north, all the attacks on Israel, even from Babylon, came from the north. Well, you say Babylon's to the east of it. Well, shouldn't they just come right in from the attack from the east? No, because between Babylon and Israel is a huge desert. 
Nobody attacks Israel from the eastern side, well, except for those right there on the other side of Jordan. But beyond that, nobody comes from that direction. They all come down the north. Even, okay, remember, think back for a moment, Abraham was from the Ur of Chaldees, which is near where Babylon is. He traveled with his father up north to where? Syria, to Haran, and then from there went down south to settle in Canaan. Okay, everybody understand? So when the Spirit is saying he's sending two chariots to the north, and whatever they're doing there, which would be judgment upon those armies, then God's Spirit is at peace. So there'll be peace there. So basically, it's a prophecy saying that God's going to take care of their enemy. Now, could it be Babylon? Yeah. Could also be who? The Medo-Persian Empire, right? Okay, because remember, the Medo-Persian Empire extended all the way through Turkey. You know what I'm saying? And all the way down, all right? So that's possibly what it's talking about there. So that's the eighth vision. So now we get to not a vision, but something very unique that's included in chapter 6 that we need to talk about. About a crown. So look with me at verse 9. And the word of the Lord came to me, take from the exiles, Heldiah, Tobajiah, and Jedidiah, who arrived from Babylon, and go to the same house, to the house of Josiah, the son of Zephaniah, take from them silver and gold and make a crown, and set it on the head of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and say to him, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, the man whose name is the branch, for he shall branch out from his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. It is he who shall build the temple of the Lord, and shall bear royal honor, and shall sit and rule on his throne. And there shall be a priest on the throne, and the council of peace between shall be between them both. And a crown shall be in the temple of the Lord as a reminder to Hillem, to, to, to Tobajiah, to Jedidiah, and Han, the son of Zephaniah. And those who are far off shall come and help build the temple of the Lord. And you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me, and it shall come to pass if you will diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. All right, so we have a crowning here. It's kind of an unusual crowning, so let's talk about that. Because it's significant because this is messianic. Do you understand what I mean by messianic, right? Who am I referring to when we talk about the Messiah? Jesus. Okay, so the prophet was to take certain exiles, get gold and silver from them, and make a crown. All right, so he's told specifically which ones to go to, get gold and silver from them, and then from them he's supposed to fashion a crown. The prophet was to go to Joshua, the high priest, and crown him. Okay, so he's supposed to go and crown Joshua, the high priest, and make these pronouncements. So the prophet was to state that Joshua, the high priest, was to typify the branch or the Messiah. That Joshua, the high priest, was a type of the Messiah or the branch. Now, what is a type? 
A type is a word we use in Old Testament studies to an individual who is not Jesus, but somebody who, in his manner and who he is, represents Jesus. One would be like Mekilzedek. Remember Mekilzedek? Okay. So, the Messiah, this Messiah will rebuild the future temple and bear royal honor as he sits on the throne. So, he's going to rebuild the temple. So, this will be the temple after the tribulation. And he's going to bear royal honor. Now, what does royal honor mean? He sits on the throne. He's going to be a king. How can he be a priest and a king? Well, there will be a priest on the throne. So this Messiah will be a priest. But he's not from the household of Aaron, right? What house is the king supposed to be from? The house of who? David, who is from what tribe? Anybody remember what tribe David is from? Huh? No, not Benjamin. You're close, though. Close in proximity. Judah. Okay, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah, all right? So the sons of Aaron were from what, what tribe? They made jeans later on. Levi, yes. No, they didn't make jeans later on, okay? All right, so Levi, all right? Now, and the two were separate. The royal household was separate from the priesthood. However, this priest is the son of David, who's going to sit on the throne. Now, how is that possible? Well, Hebrews 5, 6. As he said also in another place, you, will, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek, remember, was in Genesis, it says to you, he was a king, but also a what? A priest of the Most High God. And remember when we studied Hebrews that Jesus is from that lineage of priesthood, okay? So he's going to sit on the throne. He's a priest who sits on the throne. Not from the, not from the lineage of Levi, but from another lineage, okay? So those who are far off shall come and rebuild the temple. Now, what do you think that means? Who are those that are far off? Okay, you're, you're bringing in Romans. You're, you're thinking Romans there, Tim, but who, who is that? We're not thinking olive branches. Don't confuse olive branches here because we just talked about olive branches earlier, although you're right. Who is it that's far off who are brought near? Yes, Bruce, us, Gentiles, okay? Because we were far off and we're brought, Paul uses that same type of language earlier that those who are far are brought near. We are brought near. And so we will help to what? Rebuild the temple. When the Messiah rebuilds the temple, right? Okay. I wouldn't suggest you get on a plane and go to Israel right now, go to the Temple Mount and try to rebuild the temple. You might get shot, okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? That's, that's not happening right now. But in the future... This is what's going to happen, okay? All right, that brings us to the end of these four night visions. Really interesting visions, right?